this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. This week, we're talking about Monster Tamer Girls, and we are joined by our guest today, Xander Cannon. Xander, thank you so much for being on the show, and I hope I just didn't say your name wrong, and that's why there's like a long silence. Probably the <laughs> no. coolest name of anyone we've had on the show so far, by the way. I had to like double check that was your real name and not like the screen name that Jordan sent me. It's real. Like, my name's Alexander, but I uh, I couldn't pronounce it when I was little. So that's what they, they called me. So <laughs> it's funny because it's like it goes in waves. Like, all of a sudden, there's like, you know, there's the character on Buffy and people are like, oh, yeah, I like Buffy. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sort of, you know. <laughs> and now it's like I'll meet a ton of Xanders, but they're all like 11. <laughs> Xander on Buffy was very influential to a lot of people growing up to a certain, yeah. Like, yeah. A certain stage in life. Xander, do you mind giving the audience a little bit of spiel about who you are? I'm Xander Cannon. I'm a comic book artist. I've been doing comics for 28 years now. Hell yeah. The thing I'm best known for is either a tie, I think, between Top 10, which I did with Alan Moore and Gene Ha, and uh, Kaiju Max, which is my current comic, which is about a prison for giant monsters. Hence the choice of the uh, of the manga this week. <laughs> I have read uh, season one of Kaiju Max, and it's, it's I really liked it a lot. Yeah, that's like the grimmest season. It gets a little bit easier to take after that. <laughs> it was pretty grim. It was a little tropey, shall we say. I loved it, so hey. <laughs> I stand by it, but it also like, I try to be easier on uh, characters after that. Yeah. Anyway, I've worked with Alan Moore, I've worked with Mark Wade. I've worked with Bill Willingham, I've worked for Marvel and DC and Dark Horse and Oni Press and, you know, basically everybody. I'm more known as an indie writer artist. Yeah, you're like legit. Yeah, that's what I tell myself in the mirror every day to psych myself up. You should. I'm strong. I'm beautiful. I have a Wikipedia page. What more could I need? I was telling you earlier, I have a manager at work and I mentioned to I mentioned to him. Yeah, I'm going to record uh, an episode of my podcast with this uh, comic book artist named Xander Cannon. And he was like, oh, my God, I love Xander Cannon. <laughs> I probably know him, too, then. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling my friend who is a, uh, he's a best-selling novel or a best-selling author in the New York Times who was also my high school lit teacher. And he was a really big fan of your work too. I remember actually me and my friend Dan, Dan Harrison, who was also a guest on the show, if you remember him, Jordan. Of course I do. We actually sat down and, you know, he read comics since the 80s and he literally just sat down for like an hour and pointed out every single reference in top 10 to us. And that was super cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll have to tell him that you were on the show. I'm sure he'd be very excited to hear about it. That's awesome. Top 10 is great. Yeah. I think that it was pretty revolutionary for comics at the time, taking hints from TV to, to tell a team book story, to tell like an X-Men type story. But for me, it was a revelation in terms of like, this is how comics can be written in a sort of more casual, sort of more dialogue-y way that doesn't have to be, you know, setting up the next big punch or, or something like that. And, and that people will read a book like that. I, you know, I think that it being written by Alan Moore is, does a lot of the work, but like, <laughs> but that people will read a comic in that style instead of it having to kind of hew to what was popular at the time, you know, in the late 90s, which was the over the crest of the image stuff, but that was still kind of going strong. Was that still in the age of Liefeld? Yeah, kind of. But I mean, the shine was off it a little bit. Mm. <laughs> I feel like Kaiju Max is almost like the reverse of Top 10, you know, like where like Top 10 is like a show about cops through superheroes. And then Kaiju Max is a show about prisoners through monsters. 
Yeah, it's interesting too. Uh, people kind of are like, you know, when we talk about adapting it, and we t- people are like, oh, we can tell the story of like the, the prison guards, and you know, like and have it from the from their <laughs> perspective. And I'm like, that's every monster movie. Like, <laughs> 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 why would it be different? And that is kind of the problem that like people are like they want their own Godzilla versus Kong or whatever. So of course, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, the moment will come <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Because I know this recording could be three hours long, so I'm going to try and be Mr. <laughs> uh, watching the Clock. One last thing I want to note just before we transition to the manga details is also we found out about you via the book Heck, which was part of our book club. So just if I can't say it enough, Luke, thank you so much for being an awesome part of the Discord, running our book club, and of course, putting us in touch with Xander. And worry not, we will definitely be giving a shout out to your projects at the end of this show because it's the least I can do for a great guy like yourself. Hell yeah, Luke. <laughs> Luke was um, on our Mora King episode, which is actually one of the most interesting series we ever read. So if you ever have a chance to listen to our episodes, Andrew, I think that one is one you might appreciate uh, checking out. That'd be great. Speaking of manga, let's get into the manga details. <laughs> this series was created by Shimazaki Mujirushi. Mm-hmm. Jordan was not ready for me to say that right. I could tell. You got it. I, w- I was paying attention to the order of the vowels and you got it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I said every vowel in that word. <laughs> it's the least I could do for this author. You should be proud. Andrew, I am very bad at pronouncing things. There's actually one of our patrons. I gave up saying his patron name, so I have to shorten it because I just can't say it <laughs> so uh <laughs> so so i say chief wolfwood because i am very inconsistent of being able to say trafalgar and you know he was fucking like that he's talking about me oh yeah uh, i love that guy he's um he's like our oracle where he'll send us like recording notes when we uh, do recordings in the discord <laughs> but anyway so this guy contributed to a very long japanese word that i'm not going to try saying anthology comic kai and he also created hukoko college note which was 31 chapters and nino wa papa wo anatsu shita webcomic that is actually still going on so it's nice to know he is still making a comic jordan what's the best way to talk about the last offer we talked about you mean the guy who did uh bokasan yeah so this dude he gave up making manga and now he just either draws porn or he vtubes <laughs> he vtubes <laughs> minecraft so wow. it's nice to see that this guy is still um doing the, not that there's anything wrong with that it was just kind of very strange to go from children's comic book artist to making pornography and vtubing you know what? It's not that weird in the in the specific realm of manga and anime. <laughs> That's fair. This guy, he is still he is still chasing the dream. <laughs> I'll have to check out his webcomic and see. Yeah, he's like five or six other projects. He's probably by terms of volume done the most projects we've ever covered in Shonen. Wow. Because usually someone either gives up or they get like a big success. So, like for instance, are you familiar with Micro Academia? Oh, sure, of course. You're like they stole my idea. <laughs> yeah, so, right. yeah, right. My Hero Academia has been doing that for the last like eight years, but he had two series that just were not very strong before that. Even people who seem like overnight successes have a bunch of like sort of under the radar things that, you know, they fell where they fell on their face or whatever. <laughs> Does Alan Moore have any like uh, any of those? Because I'm not familiar with those. All the stuff that he was doing for 2000 AD was certainly a lot less sort of polished than than what it's alan moore yeah yeah <laughs> when he did v for vendetta like he lucked out into having like an extraordinary you know collaborator who really elevated that work especially early on oh yeah jordan's like hey have we talked about alan moore enough in the show when we have someone else on it <laughs> so you're just gonna be like do you want me to like see if he's free and he'll like tag in for the rest of the episode <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure he's totally free he's probably got a discord right absolutely absolutely <laughs> doesn't he worship like a snake puppet god or something yeah. uh, we're getting off track so anyway this series snake god do you worship the snake god discord so i'm not using a computer right now i'm just speaking into a snake's mouth 
Tanner, you're a fucking great guest. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, fucking legend. You come back anytime. This really could be a three hour long podcast. This ran from June 24th, 2014 to February 12th, 2016. And it was two volumes over 13 chapters, making this one of the shortest series I think we have ever read. Jordan, have we read anything shorter than this? Godspeed was six chapters. Wow. That was not great. Yeah. It felt longer than six chapters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, sorry, Lauren O'Neill, who actually actively was like, I needed to start drinking wine while I was reading this because <laughs> yeah. oh, it was not a good series, but she was a great guest. Enough about Lauren O'Neill and Alan Moore. Let's get into talking about the manga itself. Here's the plot summary. Ion Hidaka and Sora Misumaru are two schoolgirls who attend a monster taming academy. The monsters in this world are photosynthetic and are highly responsive to the singing of young girls. Their first task on the monster taming committee is to take care of the monster out behind the high school, who Eon names Blue. And when she sings to it, she causes a biotorrent, a monster reaction that causes them to make vaguely good things happen. The two then meet Sukiko, the chair of the monster committee and Koto, her friend slash maybe girlfriend who graduated high school early and now works as a researcher because she's real smart. A little lizard dude then tags along with Sukiko and the next day he has grown massive and clings to the high school. He turns rock solid, which humans believe means that a monster is dead. But when Eon sings, as we mentioned before with the deus ex machina that is the bio torrent, he breaks out of his shell, revealing that he has has molted into a cool dragon with wings, and Tsukiko names him Happy Freedom Bird. Popcorn David. We're then introduced to Goku Segusa, a world-famous monster tamer who saved Ion when she was a little girl, who shows the girls her new monster, a creepy octopus that I really wanted to get out of this fucking manga and away from these children, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I was really proud that this didn't get super weird like the Mona Lisa scene from Teenage Renaissance David, which... Yeah. I'm more than happy to explain, uh, Xander, but that was probably one of the strangest, most egregious underage girl sexuality scenes we had ever seen. Uh, It's one of those things, you read a manga, you see a young girl, you see an octopus, you get, and you just get worried. (laughs) You know? All of your fears are justified (laughs) in that scene. And the girl is is a girl who is like the living embodiment of the Mona Lisa. Like the painting. Yeah. It was a series about classic no, we don't, arts, it, art. We, we can't. You're right. You're right. I know. I did that on purpose. I wanted you to feel powerful. Thank you, David. I know. I'm thankful for you. And also, thankfully, a huge water bubble monster arrives and the octopus jumps into it, thankfully leaving these girls an eye for good because it is not this kind of manga. The girls travel to a monster sanctuary to try and help a monster going on a hunger strike by avoiding the sunlight. Turns out the monster saved Sora when she was little and she's able to give it back its will to live. Then... An old man thinks a monster is his son and he dies. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter to the plot, even though I actually will agree, even though Jordan wrote this, that was definitely probably the best individual chapter of the series. Yeah. Popcorn, Xander. A particularly massive monster nicknamed Pointy-sama reveals itself from underneath the school and the students start making wishes to it. Eon starts noticing that a very young girl keeps hanging around it. Her name is Nonoka and she is actually dying in a coma but is somehow able to connect with Pointy-sama in an undefined way. There's an aurora, Pointy-sama shrinks down and Nonoka wakes up, unless that part was a dream sequence. I'm still not sure. At last there is a time skip. Sayagusa is the chief of monster research and Eon is a new official tamer. Awesome. 
just to dive into the characters. I'll start out with Elon. She is shy. She loves and names Blue. She sings to him. She's got some vague backstory, but I don't really feel like she really changed or grew much, which we'll get into the negatives, but I definitely think that was a flaw of the series because I feel like the first two main characters don't have a lot of meat to them, especially compared to some of the supporting characters. You kind of get the sense the author felt that too. Yeah, because he's like, let me introduce kind of replacements that are much more interesting. All these characters sort of like cut from the same cloth as every sort of young girl manga, you know? People always say the genre, cute girls doing X. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the X is like the gimmick, like girls under Panzer, which is what if cute girls ran a like World War II tank? That I'm into. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Seriously, like I've seen every episode of that. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember like seeing some anime 20 years ago or something like that, where it was just like the cutest little fluffiest bunnies. They were like fighting a war with like super hyper realistic and accurate weaponry. The disconnect was so intense that it was like, I must see what happens, even though I, you know, like I don't care really, but I'm like, you know, I'm thrilled by it. That's the beauty of anime, you know, like just horrifying things happen, but everyone just looks so adorable. It's like uh, Madoka. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, what a great series. Let's say nothing about it and just let people watch it. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Eon, uh, her whole thing is, so there's this big old monster named Blue. We're gonna, he's got a section down there, but she names him Blue. And he seems to actually like her and lets her ride on on his snout, which is pretty, apparently pretty rare. What I like about it is that they really treat the monster like he's just like the school's pet. Very good boy. Yeah, but there isn't that much to say about Eon other than she's apparently just a really good singer. Like a reader insert character too, where it's just like, hey, are you shy? Do you like to sing? Well, then maybe maybe you can look (laughs) at the world through her eyes. She's just a high school girl, but she's clumsy, just like uh, just like Bella. Uh, Snoresville. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, Jordan, though, would you like to talk a little bit about Sora? Not from Kingdom Hearts, the other one. Oh, the other, oh, other from one. Digimon. No, I'm kidding. We've met a lot of people named Sora in this. I think Sora's just kind of a common Japanese name. Yeah, which is ironic because she is not the Sora, which, um, Xander, we have a term called Sora where a series has a very mediocre cast and there's one character that's like a C plus in a pool of fails mm-hmm. named after a character called Beast Children, which was probably in terms of actual production quality, no longer, I guess, the worst now that we've read Bokisan, but probably the second worst thing from a purely critical evaluation standpoint of the quality of the of it being created. Interesting. <laughs> there's a lot of competition. Anyway, Sora's more is more energetic. So the thing with her is that whereas Eon, her thing is that she is actually afraid of monsters, but she was saved from a monster by an older girl as a little kid, and it makes her actually want to become a monster tamer because she wants to be as cool as her. But Sora actually loves monsters, but she's so bad at school that she just flunked out of the monster tamer course. So she's got to join this mo- this committee club in order to get anywhere with these monsters. Beyond that, there's really not much. Nope. She's not that important. <laughs> yep. Xander, would you like to talk about the next character? Tsukiko Miyama is the chair of the Monster Tamers Committee. So yeah, like the older, what, what was she, sort of like the mentor of the group, kind of? You're getting her confused with another girl. Don't feel bad. I just read this over the past couple oh, of days. No. Yeah. And I am also confused over this. The girls kind of blend together a lot. 
Oh, yeah, this one was sort of the mean girl. Yeah. Who is, you know, she, who provides the the one ounce of sort of antagonism in this whole story. Yes. You know, so it's like everything is going swimmingly for everybody at all times, except she's like, mm, you're a jerk or <laughs> whatever. It's like... <laughs> Okay. And but she really <laughs> wants to sing these songs, but she can't or she she's bad at it or something like that. I think the way that the author conveys that is that um when Eon sings there's no dialogue or anything like the implication is she's just kind of singing like, you know, notes and stuff, but Sukiko has to put in lyrics and they're <laughs> like really bad. And that's how the author conveys that she is a bad singer. <laughs> yeah. The subtitles just say bad rapping. <laughs> Let's move on to the most interesting character, Blue. Yes. <laughs> Xander, as our honored guest, would you like to say anything? And resident kaiju expert. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to talk about the monster's design. First of all, I think I would be really mad at myself if I designed a character like this because it's got those four or it's got those three curved horns that would be really hard to draw in perspective. Mm. You'd just be making problems for yourself. And then also it's like the texture of him is boring. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, he has this defined face. That's pretty good. I mean, it's a little bit sort of standard sort of kaiju face. But like, I find him to be kind of a boring design for a monster. He's very bland. Yeah. He works for what he is, which is sort of like this sort of calming presence or whatever that loves this girl or lets this girl ride around on his face or whatever. And he does have those big like mole hands, which I, I appreciate that. Like that, at least they're not sort of like your standard sort of faux Godzilla hands. I also appreciated how he seems to fight by sumo wrestling. Like if you notice, he does like sumo slaps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I liked when he did that to like to a giant hand that was sticking out of the ground. So it was like he was just high fiving the hand. <laughs> That's what fights ought to be like. I agree. <laughs> that would have made it better. <laughs> this is a kaiju sumo wrestle. Oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, <laughs> Are given spoilers on how I would have redone the series. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, Jordan, continue. I like how like, just docile he is, big and lazy. He just has the temperament of, like, a really big old dog. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they sort of do the thing right away where they're like, these giant monsters photosynthesize. Like, they don't eat things. Like, right away they solve the problem that they couldn't solve in all the Clifford books. You know, where, they, <laughs> where he had to, like, eat a truck's worth of meat, presumably three times a day. You can see that they were kind of, like, had to think of that at the last minute. Like, oh, my God, what, what do these things eat? Like, they're going to eat these girls if we don't, like, figure something out. Yeah, because I mean, otherwise, it's like you'd have to justify, well, why is this school just allowing these girls hanging out with these bloodthirsty, like carnivorous giant monsters? Why do they keep ordering like 4,000 horses a day? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't blame them for sidestepping that issue by making them like photosynthetic. Totally, but it just it just seemed like, uh-oh, it's the day where we have to write this scene. Like, okay, roll a D20. Okay, photosynthesize. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we did it. <laughs> Like, you see the mechanical reason for why the writer had to do it. But also, if you can identify very clearly the uh, overall mechanical reason for that, it kind of means that the idea wasn't properly kind of meshed into it. Right. Like, there was never a problem of like, oh, oh, no, this monster's stuck in a cave. It can't get to the sun, so it can't photosynthesize. Like, there was, it was never like a double-edged sword. It was like, it only just solved the problem of why aren't they eating these children? You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> did have the monster who tried to kill himself by isolating himself from sunlight. That was uh, yes. that right. was interesting. 
Yes, um, but I think this might be a good discussion point just to talk about some flaws in the series. So why don't we finish up the characters and we can dive right into that section. And I see why we've changed that after a few months of running the show to make that the section immediately after the character section. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because Xander, when we started the show, we thought most of the series we were going to read were like hidden gems. And then we're like, no, (laughs) most of these were canceled because they were bad. Yeah, exactly. So you want me to go on to uh, the next character? Yeah, go for it. The next character is Kotomi Justine. Justine, like just straight up Justine. Kagurazaka, aka Koto, is how they're going to refer to her most of the time throughout the series. And her whole thing is that she's a researcher who is in a graduate program, despite the fact that she's a teen. And that's it. (laughs) Also, she is dating Tsukiko. That's like... So, yeah, there was like a very ambiguous... Yuri thing that I kind of feel like maybe he wasn't allowed to. It's like an ITLC where the main character of that manga was bisexual, but because of like restrictions, they couldn't openly make her bisexual. And I think the series just had to keep everything very ambiguous. I think the thing that uh, Western eyes on um, anime and manga, like it's very easy to assume that they have like the exact same like relationship Mm-hmm. with sexuality over there I, I remember reading like this article years ago and you know it was like in japan like young girls are supposed to kind of uh get in little flings with each other and it's seen as a way to practice being like with a man as an adult and obviously there's a lot of nuance there that i am not familiar with but basically i'm saying i don't know if this is proper if this would be seen as progressive or not is what i'm saying i don't i don't know yeah I lived in Japan for two years. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And so, like, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that, like, and this was 20 years ago, so yeah. things are different. But, like, our friend would be like, oh, well, you know, officially there are no gay people in Japan, like, even in 2002 or three. What? So, it was like, if you have a very close relationship with, you know, somebody of the same sex, it isn't like, oh, my gosh, it's a slippery slope down to, you know, to Devilsville or whatever. It isn't, like sing, the, yeah. it isn't like the U.S. in that way. But it also, you know, also it's like, well, if you want to marry that person, you're out of luck. But I mean, so like close relationships like that weren't sort of seen like we have to stop this right away or else the worst possible thing in the world could happen. It was just sort of like, well, you know, that's just that's just being a teen or that's just being wild and crazy as a 20 something or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it isn't so much that they'll like burn you at the stake for it as much as uh, they just won't take your relationship seriously. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, everybody does that sort of stuff, and then they straighten up and, uh, so to speak, and get and get married. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is a topic I cannot speak on. It's different, not better or more progressive. <laughs> exactly. I think that's the best way to kind of categorize mm-hmm. it. It's, it's a different culture with its own baggage. Yeah. And then... Uh... Sorry, I just don't know how to transition. <laughs> anyway, the last, last character is Kyoko Saigusa. Let me handle this one. She is the last mar- monster chamber. She's good with monsters, doesn't really like her title. She's also losing her voice, so she slowly will physically be incapable of singing. And I like how their doctor was like, yeah, if you keep singing, your voice is going to get all fucked up, and that's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they didn't bring up that she couldn't sing until literally the second before she sang. <laughs> well, that's how you knew how desperate she had to be to sing. Yeah. I know that as a writer, you're like, oh, yeah, there was a thing I was supposed to set up like three chapters ago, and I just didn't. Oops. Oops. Guess we're doing it as we lead into the scene where it matters. 
It's like if Superman like is about to fight someone's like, oh, I forgot to mention, yeah, if they have this thing called kryptonite, I'm super weak to it, and the guy just brings out kryptonite. He's like, oh no, how did he have kryptonite? Wow. Oh man. The series. All right, you know, she was also a student teacher. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about her. How about you guys? She's the one who saved Eon when Eon was a little kid. She has blonde hair, I think. Yeah. Her hair is not colored in, which is relevant because Koto's hair is also not colored in. And they're also both like hanging out there while not actually being students. And I kept getting them so confused. Thank God. I was so fucking confused. I legitimately could not tell who was who during a lot of the scenes in this series. I couldn't either. And I just I stopped worrying about you're it. a professional yeah. at this <laughs> are you sure you like the series there are aspects of the series that i like all right fine but why don't we talk about that after we get into the negatives we are getting into the bread and butter of the show kind of sadly is why it failed the series has like no character growth whatsoever no explanation of the world in a very satisfying way like it's weird to be like i wish there was more exposition because that's usually the issue of a lot of series but my god they had so many concepts that just were not explained or explained very poorly that it was hard for me to really care this is less of a monster manga and more of a girls in high school manga. And I don't have like that much experience with it, but like the few that I have uh, watched, such as like Azumanga Dayo or Lucky Star, like you gotta be funnier is what I'm basically <laughs> yeah. saying. You gotta be like funnier than this. It just felt kind of scattered and it didn't really do it enough, I suppose. I've never had so little happen in 300 pages. <laughs> oh, wait until you read Bokusan. <laughs> oh, don't read Bokusan. I have a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if the idea is I'm taking this very well-worn concept of girls in high school and adding this thing, which is probably the sell, which is probably what got it sold. It's like, oh, yeah, that plus Kaiju, you know, some editor somewhere was like, yeah, OK. But like, there's no mismatch. We're like, oh, yeah, I can sing to him and it, and it works. But it's like, well, the monsters never did any of the stuff that monsters do that maybe a girl will go be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you ate the shed or whatever. <laughs> that touches on like something that I think is kind of at the core of this series, which is that these aren't monsters like they, these aren't really monsters. You know, these are like right. giraffes. <laughs> they are treated in the same way that you would treat like a strange animal or something. They're a lot more like Pokemon, actually. Yeah, I mean. It's also their designs were super bland. Like, they're not monsters except for their size. This is the generic idea of a monster. Like, yeah, there's like a big monkey guy. I don't know. There's like some lizard over there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He turns into Charizard. That's dope. And then like, I don't know, over here, there's a weird octopus thing that the weird bubble thing does not fit into any of this. They even lampshade. They're like, this doesn't seem to apply, play by normal rules of how monsters work in the series. Yeah. The term monster is just so generic. And, and also, they make a big deal out of how the, oh, the monsters turn into rocks. And we don't know what it means when that happens. And it doesn't matter. They even say sometimes they'll also go into rocks to have kids, which is never shown. The series, again, very badly explains its world and then doesn't even follow its own rules. <sighs> You didn't need to introduce the rock stuff. I don't really know why you did. You didn't explain it. You didn't go anywhere with it. And it's kind of just dragging you down at this point. 
I mean, I think about like, you know, when you're a writer and you're sort of like, okay, I'm just, I'm introducing the concept. I'm putting all the chess pieces on the board, so to speak. And then I think you always end up dropping the ball on a couple of them or like saying, oh, this didn't work as well as I thought and in practice. But like, there's so little happening that you feel like, yeah, like they should follow their own rules so that these, so that at least mysteries get solved and you can kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's why that happened. Because I feel like if it was a little bit wackier or that there was, yeah, more, more humorous or more action packed or more sort of like frantic in some other way, I think that you could kind of sort of get it by people that like, that the lore doesn't make total sense. Xander, are, are you familiar with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure at all? I was about to talk about Part 8 with the rock people. <laughs> I know what it is, but I don't. I haven't watched it or, or read it. The thing about JoJo and the thing that the writer Araki does that I love is that he, he will do that. Like, he will introduce something at the beginning and then just completely never address it again. But there's so much shit that is constantly happening and it's so insane and wild that you don't really care. There are certain types of stories where the plot really matters. If you're like, oh, we're going to do a heist or whatever, well, then the plot really matters because you don't want to just sort of say like, well, and then we just randomly did this thing. But if it's a satire and like it's taking place over many, many days and it's just sort of like a workplace drama, you can have plot holes the size of trucks and people won't really care. It's all about the characters. I mean, I think that they could have gotten away with that very easily because it's like I never once looked at these monsters and be like, oh, man, I really hope we find out how they work. It's like they clearly clearly don't know how they work. Who cares? Yeah. I just wanted there to be more funny stuff or more sort of adventures or something. It's really just the fact that they could have used those pages where they were talking about the rocks to do those that more funny stuff and things like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I kept thinking about things like, like Yokai Watch or whatever, <laughs> where like weird things are like messing up his daily life, you know? And I think that that was really kind of fun that you can have these things where it's like, oh yeah, here's a yokai, which is like an actual, like, or, you know, it's a, very much like a, and a real sort of mystical, you know, something from Japanese folklore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here's how it would fit into, you know, a sixth grade classroom or whatever, you know? And, and I, I think that that sort of stuff is great. But it's like the school and the monster training seem to be completely separate. And it was really the school was just a place where they could go and, and be like, I don't know, learn more about it or whatever. But it wasn't it didn't have anything to do with it, really. It was just an excuse to have the characters meet up with each other every day because there wasn't an organic reason. <laughs> yeah. I think the last thing is also the art. We talked about the character design is not very good, especially for both the characters in the kaiju. But also the art is just very, <sighs> Xander, maybe you know a better expression, but it was there was a lack of like energy in the art. There was very little squash and stretch. There's very little movement lines. And it just kind of looked like you were looking at a screenshot of like a movie rather than it being a comic book where things were active where motion is actively being shown in each panel yeah I think that you can really lean into that kind of style. You know, if you're doing something that's very sort of like calm and like comforting and um, sort of yashike type of manga or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like the thing that really bothered me, and this is the case in a lot of manga, is that they would repeat layouts so frequently where it's just mm. like, here's a character small next to a monster big. And this and that is the frame. And then it's like two pages later, they have almost exactly the same shot with maybe a different character. Maybe not. Maybe it's like in the same scene. And and it's the same character and they just didn't have a more interesting way to frame the thing because the storytelling is so decompressed, you know, that they'll go page after page after page with the same sort of physical setup for every scene for, for that scene. And that was the thing that bothered me. Like, I don't really mind sort of the sparseness of the art, but I thought it was kind of 
boring that it's like we've sort of mined this scene visually as much as we possibly can. We need to get <laughs> out of here instead of just repeating things. You know, it's funny. I think that that was bothering me that I didn't even occur to me. But I, I do think you're right. Like overall composition of the panels was pretty boring and samey. I mean, it's all very competent. There's not a single like bad panel, you know, that's like, oh, they really screwed it up. It's just that they have competent panel after competent panel and it never thrills you at all. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would agree. You should definitely read Look Back, which is like the absolute mastery of manga paneling. It's it's very good. Yes. Okay. Speaking of things that are really great, though, why don't we shift gears into what it did well? <laughs> I'm waiting for you like, to judge my transitions as a professional, so you'll have to let me know. What you think at the end of the show, you can give me a rating out of 10 on my transition <laughs> skill. <laughs> You're like, mm, David, you don't, don't quit your day job. <laughs> your day job on Shonen Flop, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I've, I've lost a lot of money making this podcast, as Jordan knows. Oh, yes, it's true. <laughs> but speaking of Jordan, Jordan, tell us, what were the things you liked about this series? It was just very sweet in many places, you know, like it, it, there was this heartwarming aspect to it that I really appreciated. I really loved how even though they're not like really monsters, it's really more just about taking care of, of animals. Like I view this as being like if the school just had a horse and oh, these two girls are on the horse cleaning committee and they have to take care of it. And the fact that it's a monster kind of just makes things a little bit funnier to me. Like, mm -hmm. of course, they have the big old like hamster water dispenser. That's hilarious. I also thought that there were like some really funny, like little moments. I really liked how uh, like one of the one of the running gags is that each of the monsters has like different names because each girl wants the monster to use the name they came up with. <laughs> but a lot of the names are just terrible. Blue in a black and white manga because it has blue <laughs> eyes that you can't tell only because they told you that. Exactly. <laughs> Tataka, build King Jordan. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> this black and white comic had their entire power system named after colors. And they have a literally a black and white color chart where they have to say, this grayscale is blue. This grayscale is green. This oh grayscale God. is purple. And yes, it's as terrible as you think it would be. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Jordan, did you have anything else negatives that you wanted to talk about? You mean the positives? Oh, sorry. Positives. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just, a, I can't associate negative positivity when talking about Build King. So I'm just. I, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. So any other positives? There was this one little like bottle episode that I thought was actually surprisingly well done. Backing up a little bit, their city was like destroyed by this one monster. I forget how many years ago, but it happened in 1999. I just forget mm -hmm. which year this takes place in. And one of the things there is uh, this defense secretary authorized like a huge assault on the monster and seemingly destroyed it. And there were a lot of casualties and the old man, now he's old. He wakes up and the monster is there, but the monster, he believes that the monster is his son and you find out that his son actually died in that attack. And I got the implication that the son might have been killed in uh, the attack on the monster. So maybe the old man blames himself for his son's death. It was actually like surprisingly heartwarming and just came out of nowhere and then doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, this offer like... For the first like seven chapters really dirtled and then chapter eight, he like tries for a little bit and then he realizes he got canceled and he stopped trying again. 
Yeah, there was that big, massive monster called like uh, called like Pointy Sama, where people girls can make wishes to it. Yeah, there was like that little girl. I I still don't understand what the hell was going on with her. She was in a coma, and then she uh might have died or might have come back, but it seemed like it might have been a dream sequence. Fucking whatever. Yeah, it, it, the series gets very confusing towards the end and just yeah. gets completely loses the plot threads. I mean, all their best moments didn't even really involve the main characters. It was almost like this anthology book of, like, sad monster stories. <laughs> it did feel like kind of an anthology. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this would have been better if, like, there were just, like, uh, yeah, why don't we actually move on to the section where <laughs> we're supposed to talk about that shit? Okay, you mean where it could have gone? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> just to make sure, though, Xander, was there anything else uh, positive you wanted to say about the series? The slowness of it, I think, was generally a negative, but it had a sort of dreamlike quality to it that I could appreciate. The way it did the idea was kind of bland, but it is kind of fun, this whole, what if it was cute girls doing cute things involving monster, like kaijus? And so I think that was a novel idea, even if I didn't really like the execution. I would agree with that. And I also want to say, I might have had a more positive reaction to this because it came off of us reading Bokasan. And this is just, oh, yes. this is just like the complete opposite of Bokasan, where uh, so much happens, none of it matters. It's things happening all the fucking time. You can't follow a single goddamn thing. It's moving so fast. You can't keep track. At least this was just like, okay, yeah, just hanging out. There's some girls. They're just hanging out. They got a big old monster and it's cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of, uh, where could it gone? Anyway, so I couldn't, I couldn't fit. We had a good transition. I'm sorry. We had to wrangle it back because I want to make sure our guest had a chance to talk about Jordan. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. I see. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I love you, buddy. Just, I'm just hangry because my oven broke on my cooking day. So I literally had all the ingredients in my oven and turn on my super's like, yeah, come by tomorrow. I'm like, fuck. Uh, and there was the New York marathon. So guess where I couldn't go and get anything. So I had to figure out what the hell I could eat in my fridge today. Oh no, David. Did you eat? I ate more popcorn than I think I probably should have, but we'll yeah. just not tell the dietitian about that. Yeah, hmm. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, though, in terms of things where I think they could have gone differently, let's go into where it could have gone. Xander, as um, definitely the expert in this area of wholesale just creating comics, where do you think, like, if you could have really dictated the series, what would you have done differently? I can't say that I wouldn't have done the same like photosynthesis thing. So you wouldn't have to worry about like the amount of food that Kaiju would have to eat or that sort of stuff. But like it would have been sillier. I would have sort of like created the characters based on or based around how they react to sort of stress and mm -hmm. adversity. You know, like one of them freaks out, one of them gets really quiet and, you know, and works it out or like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that then you could have like, oh, here's a wacky thing that, you know, a monster is climbing in the window. You know, they all react in different ways or somebody has to keep a secret that there's a, a kaiju baby or blah, blah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. There would be a lot more adventures and running around and like being silly. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that you'd want to sort of play into all the sort of kaiju archetypes and, and tropes. And I mean, uh, the way that I did with right? Kaiju Max, what happens if an Ultraman type character comes to town and wants to kill your, your monster <laughs> oh, that's geez. like your pet at the school? Well, then what do you have to do? Like you can't fight him and have them react to that. And I think that you could still do that sort of like peaceful, like, you know, the camaraderie or whatever, you know, have the action be a little bit more satirical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the kaiju themselves were kind of a marketing ploy and really what they wanted these girls to do was like hang out with, yeah, like giraffes or whatever, like, a big, <laughs> like big peaceful animals, you know. In some motherfucking leaves. Do you think this series would have been better if it was just animals? Maybe. 
There is a giraffe behind the school for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I mean, a giraffe would be, like, weird enough. Like, that. oh, wow, there's a giraffe behind the school. But then you wouldn't expect them to be, like, breathing fire or, like, smashing buildings or, like, have done that stuff in the past or whatever. Yeah. One thing that happens a lot in manga that, like, uh, did not happen here and which could have happened in that situation is um, they could have had, like, a bunch of moments where they were like, oh, hey, it's a giraffe. Well, did you know this is what a giraffe eats? See, like, this is uh, this <laughs> right. is an interesting thing about giraffes this is how you got to take care of them and stuff. And you can't really do that with a monster because they don't exist. And also their eating habits on one hand, yeah, it's a hand wave that gets you away from having to worry about them eating the girls. But on the flip side then you get rid of anything interesting about what they eat there's no mechanic that involves like this is something we have to do yeah but it was always just like i have to sing to calm down this already calm monster <laughs> yeah it's like oh we gotta have dedicated dog pacifiers you know those animals are known for just being so hard to work with <laughs> exactly <laughs> these monsters just seem so uh non-threatening I've mentioned it before, they just really do not feel like monsters. Like, the weirdest thing about the photosynthesis is it implies that, like, all the monsters are the same species, and, like, they're they're not. Like, I'm looking at them. Clearly, they're different. Like, are you telling me that this octopus is photosynthetic? <laughs> Why? That doesn't make sense. I thought we weren't going to talk about the octopus, Jordan. Oh, God, you're right. Oh! Yeah, we didn't even talk about in the flaws of the series kind of awkwardly makes all of these girls, like, have giant boobs for some reason, despite being, like, 14. They're hardly the only ones who have done that. It's really a question what series don't do that at this point. The answer is Candy Flurry, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, and then though, my big where it could have gone is, I think, uh, and it was hard for me not to bring it up earlier, was I think it really would have helped if it was in the four coma format. Like if it just knew it was a gag manga. And so, you know, like you said, Azumayo Dayo, which has that comic format. I've heard that four coma was giving people like uh, heart heart attacks and stuff. So that's why they banned it. Shut up, Jordan. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Sandra, would you like to be my co-host moving forward? Absolutely. <laughs> well, bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. <No. laughs> and also, just don't introduce any new characters for the first like, two or three chapters. Just make the world explain the rules. And don't introduce a bunch of characters where it's literally like you didn't like your initial two protagonists and you tried to replace them and then tried to replace them again with characters that looked like the secondary replacement. Jordan, in One Piece... Zoro doesn't show up until the end of the third chapter. Yeah, no, that makes sense. When you introduce characters in one chapter and then introduce more characters, it really just feels more like you really should have just introduced them all in the first chapter. Right. It really just feels like uh, you were going to and then ran out of room. It didn't felt, feel like a calculated thing that you did for the benefit of the story so much as like, oh shit, I have more characters and I forgot to do anything with them. Damn. Every character that they introduced seemed like a main character, like they could be the main yeah. character of the story. It wasn't like, oh, you know, here's our main character, a schoolgirl, and then here's the teacher, you know, there's the this teacher and the that teacher and the, the stern principal and the friendly, you know, uh, janitor and like the, the, you know, and then these monsters. It was like they were all their own character rather than the one character and they have the relationship with every other character that you meet. Yeah. By the way, and I, and I know that this is like we're not we're talking about the negatives in a different in a different section, but whatever. <laughs> the ages of these characters were so confusing. A certain number of girls are like in high school or middle school, I guess, and then what? And then like the teacher uh, looks like she's the same age 
as the other students, but she's actually a teacher. But then there's a time skip when she was a student and another main character is a middle schooler at that point. It's just kind of hard to see how these girls relate to each other age-wise, especially because, I mean, in manga, like, it's not like you can tell how old somebody is from how they're drawn. Yeah, it's like in One Piece where Oda drew Robin, like this 30-year-old woman, and how she looked as she was 50 or 70, and it's literally she looks exactly the same <laughs> in both drawings. <laughs> oh, man. By the way, we are getting a little tight on time, so does anyone have anything pertinent they really want to talk about, or are you guys cool if we migrate to the miscellaneous thoughts? Let's go. So, Xander, what would you say is uh, really a miscellaneous thought that you just didn't really have an opportunity to say before on this recording? My miscellaneous thought about all like media that I'm asked to sort of like give my thoughts on is like, Mm -hmm. man, I know how hard it is to make stuff. Just getting anything done is hard and deadlines are terrible. You know, every comic book artist that you've ever seen is like twice as good as you think they are because they're always on a deadline. They're always under the gun. They're always sort of like, you know, sort of having to take these shortcuts or like drawing things from a weird angle that they haven't tried before or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I'm always inclined to give things a little grit. I mean, even if it is boring and even if it is, you know, or it isn't sort of like aimed at me, which I don't think it particularly is aimed at me, <laughs> you know, I'm a little old for this, uh, for this kind of this <laughs> genre, right? I always have this appreciation of people who are like, yeah, I mean, let's get out there and, and do this, especially if they're doing it for earnest reasons. Like, oh, I really like schoolgirls and I really like monsters. It's like, man, then you go. Like, if you're doing it for cynical reasons, I'm a little bit less inclined to give people a break. But like, there's a good heartedness to it that I can kind of appreciate here. I I don't know that they had the premise like rock solid, but you you could tell that they had a worldview that they wanted to express. And I think they expressed it pretty well. Yeah. And I will say, if somebody comes up to me and says that they really like schoolgirls, I will tell that person to never talk to me again. Huh. No, I, I do agree. And Xander, are you? I, I also have to ask, are you familiar with like the specific brutal crunch that like Shonen Jump authors and artists are under? Only from reading Bakuman. <laughs> no, I will. I will say though, Jordan, this wasn't a Shonen Jump series, and I think it was monthly. I'm sure it was still like very stressful oh, yeah. for him. Even just having a month to make put out a series to put out a, a chapter is itself tough enough. I work with one other person on Kaiju Max, and it's like I was able to do some of them in five weeks, but it really started being more like six, seven, eight mm-hmm. weeks for twenty-two pages. I mean, that you know, and that's color, but it's like these are toned. I mean, that's a lot of work too. Yeah, and that really starts to weigh you down too after seven, eight, nine months of like being under the gun. Like there are straight up manga artists that just cannot draw anymore. Uh-huh. Like um, the guy who made Naruto, he just straight up his next series, he couldn't do the art for it. Wow. Because he had damaged his nerves or something like that or his his wrist. His art style changed and pretty much people think like the last like few years of Naruto, he just had a ghost artist uh-huh. because he just physically could not draw. And the art just really did not look like the style at the beginning of the series happens to everybody like i think is the, probably the best thing that ever happened in terms of like digital art i think digital art has saved more people's careers than anything else in the history of comics you know because it's like your wrist is hurting yeah well draw big you know like the screen <laughs> screen screens are big now like draw big i personally know like half a dozen people that it's like it extended their career by 20 years plus that's awesome Xander, thanks so much, though, for that really cool perspective on just being an artist. Let's uh, finally start getting near the end with our final verdict. Why don't I start by just reading some of the fan six-word summaries, including one that someone sent us while we were recording from Luke. So very timely. Uh, I'm glad I built that telepathic connection with him. You did it. 
The first one comes from Adam, who says, how to train your nuclear metaphor. Nice. Next one is from T. Wolfwood, who says, cute girls befriending monsters. Love it. Next one is from Luke. <laughs> Boner killing levels of boring manga, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> and finally, from Tucker, monsters stole these girls' distinguishing features. Damn. Dude, Tucker's a fucking like legend at writing these six-word summaries. I swear to God. He's so good at them. Oh, my God, Tucker. Hell yeah. So mine is... Um... The horse girls have found Godzilla. <laughs> Fuck, mine's so much worse than that. Xander, what's yours? Oh, yeah, just uh, very calm girls and very calm monsters. Yeah. I, I had two because I wrote the first one when it, based on the first chapter before the series kind of changed, but mine was monster, 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 blossom, blossom, as a reference <laughs> to the Badger song. <laughs> when I fought that plot element, would matter more to the series? Nope. <laughs> and then uh mine is i was trying to make it like a monster pun but this just sounds really generic so i had to set up where i said rex cute idea with bad execution i mean it's accurate yeah kaiju's like break destroy things oh there we go <sighs> i got you okay. and you already had blossom you could have put in uh buttercup and uh bubbles so. yeah anyway there was bubbles actually there were bubbles just need buttercups next. there was a bubble monster yeah <laughs> oh god i failed in front of senpai um <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, speaking of failures, what was your thought on this series? Yeah, this was a flop. I mean, I, I didn't hate reading it. I got enjoyment out of reading it. There were some moments that just made me, like, feel pretty happy. Mm -hmm. It had a lot of flaws, and I probably won't think about it that much after we finish this episode, to be honest. Yep. <laughs> How about you, Xander? If it were in an anthology like Shonen Jump or whatever, I'd probably read it every time it showed up. Like, it's not hard to read. It's very pleasant to read. Mm -hmm. But I never would be like, I must find out what's happening in Monster Tamer Girls. It's not compelling. It doesn't grip you, you know, but it's, you know, it's fine. This is like in Shonen Jump, there's a story called Mission Family, which is by far the most he writes it week by week series, but he's trying to make like a spy novel. So it like really doesn't make sense a lot of the time. <laughs> so he just tries to make things so complicated that he's like, you just don't get it. And I'm like, no, you just clearly didn't plan any of the spy novel shit at a time. And I'm pretty sure I've never seen anyone talk about it. And I think it just hasn't been canceled because I just forget it runs in Shonen Jump. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, we, we write a check to somebody every week. I don't know who it is. Yeah. I didn't even know this existed until you brought it up. So anyway, though, mine is, of course, a flop. Based on this conversation, I thought you guys did like it, so I was worried. And so, Jordan, though, since we all did flops, we can all go around and give some recommendations. So, Xander, no worries if you weren't prepared for this part, but essentially just <laughs> while Jordan's talking, if you want to think about just something that instead of checking this out, that they should check out instead. If you want to do the 500 IQ move patented by Laura O'Neill, she said check out my work instead. So <laughs> I won't blame you if that's what you go with, but just be aware that someone has already done well, too fucking bad, because I'm already going to do it, everybody. You should read Kaiju Max instead. In the same way where, like, you know, in Kaiju Max, you're, you're not, like, really talking about Kaiju. You're talking about mass incarceration and things like that. What? I am? <laughs> well, that's just my theory, you know. I went I, I went to art school. I dig, think, I dig into things a little bit too much, you know. <laughs> Hold the phone. Are you, like, mansplaining to the author about what his own work means? Damn, I am. This is advanced level Jordan splaining. Oh, God. Yeah, seriously. But like, no, in, in the same way that, that happened, like um, this is very much like it's not really about raising kaiju. It's about like raising animals and stuff and getting over your fears with yourself and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Xander, I guess now you can't recommend your own work. Okay. What uh, Alan Moore work since Jordan? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
I haven't read a lot of uh, comics lately, but um, there's a comic called Giant Days and also Wicked Things. That was actually part of our book club as well. I just finished reading Wicked Things, so I just perked up and I was like, ah, I see how you and Luke are friends. (laughs) John Allison is a friend of mine. I've never met Max Saren. Really? But Max Saren is one of the best artists working today. I mean, just everything that they do is just so, so beautifully sort of rendered. It's it's animated-like. Like, it seems very sort of fluid. And, I mean, all those Giant Days issues and and Wicked... I mean, Wicked Things was just so good. Like, really plot-heavy, which I thought was really great. Interesting change from Giant Days, which was so character-based. Giant Days was just, like, a delight to read. I read all his stuff while I was, like, on a flight to Europe over, like, eight hours. Oh, wow. He's actually on, like, our short list of, we have, like, our super long backlog of guests, but he's, like, on the top of people we want to reach out to to be a guest on the show. Because he seems like such an awesome dude. Max or John Allison? Who are you? Uh, sorry, I didn't uh, get John, that. Uh, John Allison. I have, a, I have a drawing that he did of Godzilla up, up on, in my studio, yeah. Dude, that's sick. <laughs> I would love to see a picture of it, if at all possible. That would be awesome. If I go to the studio (laughs) tomorrow, I'll take a picture of it. (laughs) In return, I can send you a picture of the time I made cookies that looked like my manager's face for his birthday. (laughs) They made him look like white Obama, apparently. Yeah, they did. They were using Obama stencil. (laughs) Wow. Um, So anyway, my recommendation, I wrote down two, but actually uh, during the recording, I realized a much better one. So for context, I realized because I kind of half recommended Girls Last Tour. Uh, which is pretty good. So if you want something that's like a sweet series, but kind of has like a depressing backdrop. And then I also was like, oh, you could do Kaiju number eight. I don't know if you're familiar with that series, Andrew. It's kind of like um, Pacific Rim as a manga, but this dude fuses with a Kaiju and he gains like Kaiju powers and he can transform into a Kaiju to fight them. Sounds good so far. (laughs) And uh, the series I realized, though, is actually another series I found out about from Luke called Magu-chan. So Magu-chan is about cute girls hanging out with their buddies who are all all the depowered eldritch gods. So it's called Magu Pan of Destruction, where it's about an eldritch god who also has powers, and he learns how to make friends from a teenage girl. That sounds really fun. And it's like you can imagine it being drawn in like five different ways, you know, and it'd be a different story each time. <laughs> yeah. So he has like a friendship book, and he thinks it's like a, like a demonic pact that someone makes with him. And you're like, you are now my mini- my minion after you sign like your name in this book that's like my first friendship book or something that's like for like six-year-olds. <laughs> the God of Madness just realizes he really enjoys cooking and it's like his dream now to open a restaurant. <laughs> and he just makes pudding all the time because that's like the only thing he knows how to make right now. It's a delightful series. It sounds awesome. So Jordan, though, is this the worst series we have ever read? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Build King, man. Build King's so fucking bad. Oh, yeah. God. I don't know if I mentioned that to you, Xander, that there's a series called Build King. That's really <laughs> bad. No, don't. it's the first time hearing of it. So let's go to shout outs where uh, we'll tell you about some other things that are worth checking out. And of course, Xander, we want to hear all about what is going on in your world. I guess you could say your canon, if you will. Uh, I see what you did there. Oh, come on. That was like, that's the best you could do that joke. Uh, <laughs> Props to Jordan for making the opening and ending theme, being a great co-host, and helping with the editing. Props to Shannon for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Illuminati and Nigel for bringing our generous art benefactor. As a somber mote, this is going to be her last piece. Thank you so much, Shannon, for everything you've been doing. We could not have had a better cover artist, and we are super duper excited for a brand new artist. We had almost 40 people sending us their portfolios. It, It took me like three hours to go through everything, so we really appreciate everyone that reached out, and we look forward to hopefully having more projects because there was just so much talent. It was incredibly difficult to pick just one artist for the series moving forward. 
Shannon, I'm going to miss you, though. You're so good. Yee. You're so good. Thanks, Tucker, for assistance with pronunciation, translation, other miscellaneous research. Thank you, Nicole, for helping with social media, being our awesome TikTok master. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much, David, for editing. Do a great fucking job, along with other stuff. Aw, well, thank you, man. I uh, couldn't do this show without you. Also, be sure to join the Shonen Flop Discord. Come hang out with us and talk about anime, games, or whatever else is on your mind. We also have a book club and do regular movie nights. You can find a link to it in the show notes. We actually have a movie night that's next Saturday, so unfortunately, unless you have a time machine, you'll miss it, but we are going to be seeing planes, trains, and automobiles. But Ooh. it's not too late to get in the Discord for December where you can suggest your series. I personally am going to suggest Dread 3D because I remember that movie being super fucking awesome. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to an opportunity to get to watch that. And um, if you've been enjoying this podcast and want to help us keep going, consider subscribing to our Patreon. We have a ton of awesome perks ranging from exclusive mini episodes, deleted scenes, and you can even help us pick what series we're going to cover next. Find it at patreon.com slash flop. I also want to give a shout out to Pterodactyl Ghost for being a Chainsaw Man level patron, Gabe, Mark, Marty, and T. Wolfwood for being King of the Forest. If you're not ready for a regular commitment, consider buying some merch. We have a ton of awesome designs, including the much requested Gomez Moon and Mashal Punching Harry Potter shirts, along with the cover art from this episode and a portion of the proceeds go back to the original artist. No worries if you can't help the show out financially. If you could like, rate, review, or share, it really helps us build our audience. Even telling one friend to check us out means a lot. You can find us on Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website ShonenFlop.com or on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast. But above all, Mr. Xander Cannon, thank you so much for being on the show. Hell this was yeah. by far one of my favorite episodes ever to record. And I said before, this would have gone three hours if I didn't have to stay up, drink the midnight oil editing it. But please tell the audience though about what's been going on in your world. I mean, the second to last issue of my six-year comic series called Kaiju Max about a prison for giant monsters. And I'm every day I'm going like, oh, wait a second. This is the last time I'm ever going to draw this character. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's a pretty interesting place to be, uh, you know, to sort of be finishing up a, a big, long project like that. And uh, mm -hmm. as for what's next, I actually don't know. So uh, there's about four or five things that might happen. Who knows? May I suggest a prequel called Kaiju Min? <laughs> nice. If you disconnected from the call, I would have been fine with that. I am going to do a, a Kaiju Min. Uh, that Because I was going to do all the, <laughs> all the monsters that are little. Like, uh, yes. You know. It's like the, uh, oh man, what is Like the Muppets Babies kind of thing? Yes, it's going to be just like the Muppets <laughs> Babies. Are you now tempted to give Blue a cameo? He'd be easy to draw. He's very easy to draw. I mean, there's no details. <laughs> Can you imagine such a deep cut? You're like, if you look in this corner on page 18, it's the monster from little known series, Monster Girls. Uh. Oh, man. Yeah. Can I, thank you so much, by the way, for coming on here. I've, since the beginning, what I've all like, what I've really wanted is to have someone on the show who like really understands comic book creation and the process that goes into it. And this has been great. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It really is fun. And, and I mean, it's fun to, to sort of do a deep dive into a comic, even if it's not like a comic I would normally have read I, I would, or even heard of, really. And so... Yeah. You know, it's kind of fun to go like, yeah, you know, I, I see you out there like cranking these out every month. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard, man. And then uh, just some regular shout outs. I want to give a shout out to Animation. It's a podcast about two buddies talking about anime, one a longtime fan, the other one brand new to it. They have some really awesome edited YouTube vibs and you can find them at linktree.ee slash animation. And that is, by the way, anime S-H-I-N.
Yes, like the thing above your knee or yes, below your knee. Yes, exactly. Yes, I failed out of medical school. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one I give a shout out to is The Last Comic Shop. Weekly comic book reviews and recommendations on all major podcasting services. I'll have to see if they've reviewed any of your work, Xander. I'm sure nothing but positive notes before I plug this show. Absolutely. Sure to check that out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and you can find it at lastcomicshoppodcast.com. And then I'm just going to run some promos here. Do you want a limited length Fallout audio drama to listen to? Check out Fallout Columbus, a six-episode RPG set in the Fallout universe in the city of Columbus, Ohio. Explore a region that avoided the bombs and the system that started as a result of that. You can find us at EstablishedPropertyPlayhouse.com or E-S-T-P-R-O Playhouse on Twitter. And remember, war never changes. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Xander. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers. Yeah. Yeah.